0: My name is Veronica Kim, and you are now listening to Unity in Christ. A few days ago, I spent some time at the park by myself. I took some time to talk to the Lord and to meditate on His words. I was captured in peace just sitting there, looking at the sky, clouds, trees, and grass, thinking of the living God. And suddenly, I asked God, Lord, open my eyes to see myself as a follower of Christ. Not long after I prayed, I saw a man taking a walk with his two dogs. Each of the dogs had a leash around their neck, and the man was holding both leashes with his one hand. The two dogs were walking in front of the man, and he was following the dogs. However, even though the two dogs looked alike, they showed totally different behavior. The one on the right walked comfortably. Its leash was loose, and it was walking at the speed of its owner. But the one on the left was very different. The dog on the left side was trying its best to turn left. Of course, its leash was tight, and it was trying its might to pull its owner. Its shoulder muscle looked to be flexed. No matter how the dog tried, the owner did not pay any attention and continued to walk on his way. I was amazed to see the two dogs. How could they be so different? They have the same owner and they are the same breed. It made me laugh to see the dog on the left side, because it looked foolish, tiring itself out. But no matter how hard it tried, the owner would not let it go on its own way. But then my face froze and I was reminded that I had just prayed to God to show myself to me. I realized. That the dog on the left side was how I was. God immediately gave an answer to my prayer.
1: Here I bring my stains and crowns, gentle river, wash me now. Your love is deeper than I know, your ways higher than I can go. Lead me in your holiness. I will follow, I confess, glory is the song I sing, your life is living me, and where would I be without you, without you? My Redeemer's cost. There is nothing I can do But only stand amazed by you And mercy new with every day Wrapped up in your arms of grace Nothing more, you're all I need Your life is living me anyway
0: As I was watching the dog on the left side, trying to pull its owner, I saw myself as a follower of Christ, yet not willing to follow our Lord, but to drag Him to where I wanted to go and what I wanted to do. I saw my self-centered, selfish, and manipulative ways, trying to gain what I wanted through God, not changing myself according to God's will. I was calling what I wanted to be God's will and perverting what I wanted to do as God's voice. Perhaps every one of us are at the same point, living a life like this, pulling our master to wherever we want to go and do. We want to live on this earth, enjoying and living in abundance, and then after death, go to heaven. But that is what I desire, not what God, our master, wants. The reason God gave His only Son to save us is to take us to where He wants us to be. Peter writes in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 1-3, through Therefore, since Christ has suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves also with the same purpose because He who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin so as to live the rest of the time in the flesh no longer for the lusts of men. Or for the will of God. For the time already past is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of sensuality, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. If you and I are saved through Christ, then we ought to be heading where God wants us to go and not where we want to go. We should abandon what we want and grow for the sake of what God wants and to align our desires to God's desires. When our values sink to God's values, we may have joy in doing what God desires.
1: to the world Meet the needs for the poor and the needy God
0: Coming up next is sermon by Pastor Mark Martin of Calvary Community Church in Phoenix, Arizona. Today's topic is Comfort from God, based on 2 Corinthians 1, verses 3-11. through I hope you have a blessed time with Pastor Mark.
2: I've titled my message, Comfort from God. Because sometimes we just don't know what is going on. Somebody has said that people fit into three kinds of categories. Those who are in trouble, some of you relate to that. Those who are just coming out of trouble, some of you. And those who are just going to go into trouble. So we're one of those three categories here for sure. I'd like for you to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. That's where we're gonna spend some time. The Bible says in Psalm 34, verse 19, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Disciples so often get into trouble. In Acts chapter 14, verse 22, during a visit to some believers, Paul and Barnabas at that point doing some missionary work, Paul and Barnabas encouraged, we're told told they encouraged these disciples with these words. Now, I could think a lot of things to encourage people with, but these are the words they encouraged them with. They said, through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God that's encouraging? I'll tell you it is, because sometimes you wonder, don't you, what is happening? What is going on? I love God. Why is all of this happening to me the way it is? Tim Kimmel wrote a book years ago now, but it was a book he wrote coming out of an experience that he still has problems with to this day he had a a really bad bike accident and um, his life was changed he from then on was in terrible pain and I just want to share a paragraph of what he says he says I can't remember when I last woke up feeling good each morning continues another layer of nauseating pain stiffness the dull gray ache and the never-ending fatigue It's been a little over 10 years since my accident. Life was different before then, I just can't remember what it felt like. Pain. It seems to be the common denominator of our human existence. Hey, honest question, gang. How many of you hurt right now? I mean, physically, you hurt, okay? Last night, like the whole gang raised their hands thinking whoa it is the universal experience but as Christians we have an advantage over trouble our advantage is this that no matter what we go through we're never alone amen so I don't want you just leaving, and say, oh, man, what a bummer today. You know, all they did was talk about how we we're hurting, you know. No, that's not where it ends. I just want to say we have an advantage in trouble because we never go through trouble alone because our Father in heaven always goes through trouble with us. We go through trouble or hard times with God offering us his comfort. God offers us his what? Comfort. I want to look at a very encouraging passage from the Bible here in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse 3. Our Apostle Paul says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, I love it, the Father of mercies and the God of how much comfort? All comfort, who comforts us in our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Notice the word comfort is used like nine, well, it's 10 times in five verses. Comfort, comfort, comfort. The word comfort in Greek means to, to stand along somebody, to support and to encourage somebody. It's an action word, you guys. It's not to just be passive. To comfort somebody as you are actively doing something, you're coming alongside them. Our English word comfort comes from two Latin words, cum fortis, which means to actually give strength. God has called our Father for a reason because he comes along to comfort us, to give us strength. And I wanna say this. Um, when you've gone through some tough time, You go through a difficulty. You are then able to help other people who've gone through something like you. You've gone through a terrible divorce. Who's God gonna use a lot of times to minister to somebody else who's going through that experience? Who? Somebody like you. You've gone through, you know, the scare of cancer. Maybe you had to have, you go through all the chemo and all of this kind of thing, and you're out on the other side. You're five years later and somebody else is stepping into that whole process, who would God use? You. You see, God uses us. God's given us comfort. He's come alongside to strengthen us, and now God says, the comfort I gave you, I want you to give on to other people. I'm gonna say this, it isn't always too encouraging though to hear people say, hey, we just want you to know you're gonna come out of this able to help other people. That's not always what you should tell people because they're saying, well, I really don't wanna go to spiritual school to be able to help somebody else right now. You know, maybe that's what you say later. But the fact is, if you'll be yielded to the Holy Spirit, God will do that with you. And you're not just gonna be sympathetic to people, feeling sorrow for them, but you're gonna be, the word is what? empathetic you're gonna be able to feel with them you can say to a certain degree as much as you could you know really you see I, I know what you're going through I, I understand your fear I know what it's like I lost my home too I know what it's like. I lost my job but you know God was faithful he gave me a better job I know what it's like to wonder if God's gonna hear my prayer and answer my prayer but you know what he did And you come alongside because, see, what God works into our lives, he wants us to share with other people as well. The word all covers a lot of stuff. He's the God of all comfort. That's all things, the big troubles, the little troubles, the physical troubles, financial troubles, marriage troubles, you know, it goes on and on. He's the God of all comforts. There are times when Peter said, don't be surprised about the fiery trials that come among you. Don't let it surprise you. Fiery trials—it literally means the painful trial that burns in your life. I've been burned before, and you know it. It it hurts, and it, the pain goes on for a while. The fiery trial, and you've been on a highway, maybe going out of the city. And you see smoke in the distance and you go, oh no, what's happening? Is more of our forest burning down? You know, the three trees that are left, you know, after all these fires. Oh no, there's a fire. But then you see over the freeway, it says controlled burn. Have you seen that? Controlled burn. I want to suggest that a lot of times when we see the smoke in our lives and we're thinking, oh no, Lord, what's going to happen? Is everything going to burn down? And God says, no, this is a controlled burn in your life. I am absolutely in control of this. And they do control the burns to protect the big forest, right? It's there to protect And so God's got these controlled burns and you might be in that situation right now. I'm gonna tell you, don't let the smoke, this is the Lord speaking to you, don't let the smoke scare you. It's a controlled burn. It's not a wildfire in your life. God doesn't have wildfires. It's a controlled burn. There are times when we go through fiery trials but they're controlled burns. Controlled burns. Someone has said that trouble is often the lever in God's hand to raise us up to Him. You agree? Sometimes God uses trouble to raise us up to Him. And because God is our Father, we never go through any of our problems alone. He comforts us in all our troubles. Do you remember a while back in San Francisco, there was a guy who was being mugged, and about 13 people stood around and just watched it happen. Do you remember hearing about this? They just watched it happen. Nobody intervened. They just watched him getting kicked and mugged. And and finally, you know, when he couldn't move and was unconscious, the crowd dissipated, but not before one person stole his wallet. I can believe it when I heard that. Everybody, they're, they're just bystanders, just watching, But I'm telling you, God is not a bystander watching you get beat up in this world. God is a stand-byer kind of God, amen? He is someone who stands by us when we grow through difficult times. You're his child, and he is always with you. He will never leave you. And so I want us to consider how God comforts us. He's a God of all comfort. And first of all, he comforts us with the comfort of his presence. Remember, that's what comfort means, is to be alongside somebody. It's to actively be there for them. David says that the comfort of God was his help. God comforts us with his presence. I want you to hold your place here and would you go to the left in the Bible and go to the book of Isaiah, kind of middle-ish in your Bible, the book of Isaiah, and look at the 43rd chapter, Isaiah 43. Israel had gotten themselves in a whole lot of trouble. The trouble they were in was their own doing, but God is speaking words of comfort to his people even though they got themselves into trouble. He's giving them some great words of comfort. And look at what the Lord says. Look at the end of the first verse. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You know what? God knows who you are. He says, you are mine. Isaiah 43, verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers they will not overflow you when you walk through the fire you will not be scorched nor will the flame burn you and then he says in verse 4 because you are precious and honored and I love you you see when you go through the rivers you understand the the analogies here right you go through times when you think you're gonna drown you're going under. There's the undertow, you know. You're, he says, "No, you won't drown. You're going to be overcome. And when you're then fire, it's not going to scorch you." You know, I can't help but think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember those three guys? They were thrown into the fiery furnace. Remember that? The king he couldn't stand it because they wouldn't worship him, so he had them tied, bound, in, hand and foot, and uh, then he had them thrown into the fire, which was so hot that the guys who threw them in died. They just dropped dead. And so they're waiting, how sadistic, to just wait to see, I wanna watch them burn. And it didn't happen. Instead of that not happening, he sees them loosed and walking. He says, first of all, he said, how many men did you throw in there? They said, three, oh king, you know. Why, why do I see four? And the fourth one looks like the son of God. Because he is the son of God. You see, when his people get into the hot water, when his people come into those places, he's got his finger on the thermometer, I mean, on the thermostat. Jesus was there with them. And he called them out and he says, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, you servants of the most of high God, come out. And they came out and it says they were loosed and walking. The only thing that got burned up, guys, were the things that tied them up. And it says, not a hair on their head was singed. There wasn't even the smell of smoke on their clothes. You see, Jesus is in us with our fiery times. When life heats up, so to speak, when we're in that furnace, that difficult time, which would be so many different things here with us, I want you to know, God wants you to know, that Jesus is here with you. You're not in there alone. And you know what? One of the purposes of that might be is that when you come through, and you will come through, when you come through, it's gonna be the stuff that you went into that was kind of binding and tying you up and keeping your walk from being free, keeping your hands from being able to really serve the Lord. When you come out of there, you're gonna be a different person. Somebody say amen, because that's the truth. God comforts me with his presence, but he also comforts us going back to 2 Corinthians 1. He also comforts us, take note of this, with his power. 2 Corinthians 1.8, look, he comforts us not just with his presence, but with his power. I'm gonna read verses eight and nine. If you don't mind, I'm gonna read them out of the New Living Translation. I just love the way it's said. So you can follow along in your translation. We think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. Listen, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability to endure. And we thought we would never live through it. In fact, we expected to die. And then in chapter 2, verse 4, he refers to a, another letter he wrote to them, and he says, I wrote that letter in great anguish with a troubled heart and many tears. Okay, here's a man who loves God. Here's a man who knows God. Here's a, God that I, a guy who I would say is really spiritual. He's got his act together with Jesus, and yet he's still going through times that are tough. He says, I went through a time of trouble, where we, I was crushed and overwhelmed beyond my ability to endure. I thought I couldn't live through it. I expected to die. I was overwhelmed. I was crying. You see, that, that, that's a, that can be the spiritual experience. Perhaps a crisis like that is something that you're going through, and it can destroy self confidence. Paul gone through some spiritual trials way beyond his ability to endure. Verse 4 and verse 6 speak of distress or affliction or trouble, depending on your Bible translation. The word distress or trouble or affliction is a Greek word that literally means pressure. And it came to be a word that referred to the process of grinding wheat. It was a process of two huge stones, two round stones called millstones, one on top of the other. And the top stone would be moved on top of the bottom stone, the grain would be Uh, Let into that uh, space between and as that top stone moved along the grain was crushed that's the word for affliction distress or trouble you feel the pressure ever in your life you feeling the pressure now maybe crushed beyond measure But you know, he had the promise of the presence of God and he had the promise of the power of God to help him out. I wanna say one more thing about the presence of God and I'm gonna ask another question where I would like for you to just respond really honestly because we're that kind of people here. We don't have to pretend, do we? Have to pretend that we're more holy than we are. We don't have to pretend because that's not the kind of folks we are. How many of you have gone through times where you just really didn't feel the presence of God? You just really didn't feel, okay, universal, universal, me too. I want you to hear this and think about this. God can be present with you and you don't feel him present. I could stand right next to you, brother, and you could not feel my presence, but I'm right by you, right? I could stand right next to you, you don't feel my presence but I'm there you have ever had somebody stand behind you you didn't know they were there and you turn around and it's like, <gasps> well they were and they'll say what what see God's next to us even when we don't feel his presence you understand and so you don't feel okay we all have those times Maybe it's going on right now. I just want you to know that he is with you. He said, I'll never leave you or forsake you. I am with you always, which means literally all the days, even to the end of the age. If we live to the very end of the age, we live until Jesus returns. He says, I'm with you, and I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. Paul says in verse 9... Look at the second part. He said that he is comforted with God's power because he didn't trust in himself, but in God who raised the dead. You see that? See, he trusted in God's power. God's got superpower. We're talking about, oh, the superpowers of this world. I'm going to tell you. No, the superpower is the Lord God, the living one, the holy one of Israel, all right, who is able to raise the dead, and that's the power that God has. God doesn't have just, you know, power to create the flowers and the world and all that's wonderful power but God also has a power where he can speak life to that which is completely dead and he says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work with me and that power was part of my comfort when I was going through this difficult stuff I have the comfort of his presence I have the comfort of his power you know when we cannot see God when we can't see God's hand working in our lives and we just have to trust his heart, we just have to know our God well enough to realize that when he's promised to be there with us, he is there with us and he has the power to get us through whatever trial, whatever fire we might be going through. God has the power to get you through that. If you believe that, would you say amen to that? Amen. Amen. We find a lot of comfort in God's power And then he says, thirdly, we find comfort in the protection of God, in God's protection. Look what he says in the 10th verse. And he did rescue us from mortal danger, and he will rescue us again. We've placed our confidence in him, and he will continue to rescue us notice the tenses it says he has delivered us you all know this what tense is that past he has delivered us and then he says he is delivering us right now that's present and then he says he will continue to deliver us that's future God delivered me in the past he's delivering me now and I trust he's gonna do it in the future and then I you know I link that something came to mind it was a verse that says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday Today and forever. You see, he's the deliverer of the past, the present, and the future. David said, Our God is a God of deliverances. Well, remember when I quoted, you know, way at the beginning, I I quoted Psalm 34, verse 19, which said, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Remember, I quoted that. I only quoted half of it, though. I only quoted that first part Many are the afflictions of the righteous the second part I've waited until now to say is this but the Lord delivers them out of them all many are the affliction of the righteous but the Lord delivers him out of them all sometimes God delivers instantly sometimes it takes a little bit of time sometimes it's going to be eternally God's going to deliver you but he will deliver you. There's a, a verse in the Bible that has given a lot of us Christians encouragement and comfort. It's a well-known verse. A lot of you guys even have it memorized. If I were to give the address, you'd go, oh yeah, I know that. So I'll give you the address, and it's really comforting. It's, it's found in Romans eight twenty eight. If it's not real familiar to you, make sure you write it down and if you can get there, here in a in a moment, go ahead look it up. Romans eight twenty eight. To the Paul is expressing the comfort we have, in knowing that God is in control, that God loves us, that God is in control, that God has a plan. So he says here in Romans eight twenty eight. He says. And we know that for those loving God, all things work together for what gang? Good to those who are called according to his purpose. Yes! But that is not a promise for everybody. You can't go to your non Christian neighbor and say, I just want to encourage you because all things work together for good. It's not true for him, it's not true for her. Say, why? because the promise has a condition tell me what the condition is somebody tell me you're right you got to love God that means you got to be saved you got to know Jesus and so this is a condition you got to be saved you got to love God you got to be called according to God's purpose so bringing it back to the family we know that for those who love God you me All things work together for good, who are called according to his purpose. It's hard to see that sometimes. Would you guys agree with me? I mean, we're just vulnerable. We are honest. It's hard to see it sometimes. And because it's hard to see sometimes, we don't have all the answers. I wish I could say, well, I'll tell you why this is going along, because God is doing this. Well, God allowed that because of this. You know what? I don't understand a ton of what's going on. But I believe that God has a plan for the world, and I believe that God has a plan for our lives, and I believe we're going to see it maybe here, but for sure in heaven. Nobody's going to be in heaven criticizing the way God did something. Right? Well, you know, I think you really could have handled it better. We all would be glaring at them shut up and get on your face and worship God (laughs) no we're all gonna look back and say God you knew what you were doing you knew what you were doing in my life I totally I never understood it but God I understand now could we have a little bit of that in reverse could we maybe not wait do you follow me instead of waiting to heaven to say man God knew what he was doing could we move that this direction a little more and say I know in heaven I'm gonna say God knew what he was doing I'm just gonna trust him now knowing that he is in control that all this junk in my life is gonna work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his purpose commenting on this verse another one of my spiritual heroes and mentors his name is Donald Gray Barnhouse he once said there's no will or act of creatures men angels or demons that can do other than work for our good no dog can bark against us no man can speak or act against us but all must be for our good there is not Phenomenon of nature, fire, flood, storm, earthquake that can work us ultimate ill. The law of gravity can't trip us or cause anything to fall upon us unless it has first been sifted through the will of God's purpose for our good. Every experience, each of our individual circumstances, whatever concerns us, humbles us and forces us to rely On him who alone can satisfy all things work together for our good otherwise the Lord would not permit them can you believe that can you put your faith in that I believe you can and I believe that's what God is calling some of you to do to step up in maturity and live like that it's not An uncontrolled wildfire in your life. It's a controlled burn. He's with you even when you don't feel him. He's standing by you. You can trust his power and his presence and his protection. As we're going through tough times, we realize God is in control. But not everybody has this comfort, do they? This is our advantage as believers. I want to pray for those who don't have that advantage our neighbors the people we work with some of our relatives let's pray for them right now let's pray that God would bring this kind of comfort to our world and it comes through knowing Jesus remember can't have this advantage unless you have Jesus Lord we want to pray for the world sounds really huge and generic but the world is individuals it's the person that we work with. It's the person we, we're going to see serving us at a restaurant. It's, it's going to be people, people who don't know you. And, and we want to pray right now that they would gain the um, encouragement that comes through knowing you and have this advantage. And Lord, as we are here, we think of the people sitting around us that are going through things that you know, they haven't told us and maybe they wouldn't feel comfortable sharing but you know and now it's just moved by your Holy Spirit we want to pray for them maybe you'll put it on our heart what what it is we should pray but we want to pray for that person how about on the right of us there's a person on the other side of us Lord or the person next to them. We love them. They're a part of our family. We pray for them and the person right in front of us, Lord. Lord, give them your comfort. Give them your peace, Lord, we ask. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.
3: No shadow or turning You're always the same Now and forever Day after day Your word is my fortress I rest without fear Your love is a fire Council Ministries is now starting a new Japanese program and is able to spread the gospel in Japanese. If you know anyone that is fluent in Japanese, please let them know of this program. We hope that they will be able to hear the gospel of Jesus through our CDs. If you are interested, please contact us at our office. Our office number is 602-866-8999. And our email address is heartandsoul.org at gmail.com. Thank you.
0: called, If Anyone Wishes to Come After Me.
4: Hello listeners, this is Brian Winston, your host of the series, If Anyone Wishes to Come After Me. Previously we shared about being fruitful as a disciple of Jesus. It was not literal fruit that would have a smell and taste, but fruit from the character of Christ, the fruit of self-denial and bearing one's own cross, fruit not to be served but rather to serve, fruit for prayer that is not my will but the will of the Father, and the fruit of obedience to the death. Have you borne any fruit in your life during this past week? In John chapter 15, Jesus likened the vine and the branches to his disciples and emphasized abiding in him. And his parable tells us what will happen to those who live as his disciples. Let's read John chapter 15, verses 16 to 20. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you would go and bear fruit, and that your fruit would remain, so that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give to you. This I command you, that you love one another. If the world hates you, you know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world loves its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. Here, Jesus gives us a very important concept about who has chosen who. He said that His disciples did not choose Jesus, but Jesus chose His disciples, and that this is because they will go and bear fruit, and their fruit is always with them. Why do you think the statement, His disciples did not choose Jesus, but Jesus chose His disciples, is so important? We usually think, I have decided to trust in the Lord, and I intend to be dedicated in my work for him, or, I want to do something for the Lord. However, often, we do not do anything. We realize the truth in the words of Jesus, who knows everything, who knows each of us intimately, and yet chose us knowing our sinful ways. This fact gives us courage with great comfort. Right after Jesus spoke, his disciples abandoned him and ran away to save their own lives when Jesus was arrested. Peter, who said he would not betray Jesus to the end, denied him three times. They failed. As disciples, they gave up on their teacher. But even though Jesus knew that his disciples would betray and leave him, he still chose them. This tells us the biblical principles and truth that Jesus would work through his disciples not that they would work for Jesus. It is the same reason that Jesus chose you and me as his disciples. We sometimes fail, we sometimes betray him, and we sometimes drift away from him. However, in spite of it, he still calls to you and me because he wants to work through us. Jesus wanted to imprint this fact on his disciples. You have not chosen me, But I, who knows all, chose you. Remember the fact that I chose you, even though I know who you are. By bearing good fruit, you will always receive. For doing this, he would give to you everything, whatever you asked of the Father. The world will hate you, because the world hates me. But remember this truth, that I chose you, even though I knew who you were. In verse 20, Jesus said, Remember the word that I said to you. A disciple is not above his teacher. Remember the word. There will be those who persecute you as there were those who persecuted me. Some people will listen to your words as they would listen to my words. I choose you and send you for this thing, but I am in you and you are in me even though you will be sent. Jesus encourages his disciples who will soon be left to themselves. Why is Jesus saying this? The reason Jesus is letting his disciples know about this is that he is not trying to scare them, but to prepare them for what will happen in the future and to remind them that the word of the Lord will endure As we become closer to Jesus, we become increasingly similar to Jesus. But Jesus tells us that we will suffer more in the world the more we become like him. The reason is that we would not increasingly keep pace with the culture of the world. Holiness means distinct or set apart from the world. People who are becoming more like Jesus separate from the world. Have you seen people persecuted by the world because they want to be like Jesus in this age, to do the right thing before God, to live to preach the word of God without any compromise? We hear stories in the newspaper of people who received criticism and being threatened from the world due to their determination not to be contrary to their beliefs and suffered some disadvantages from the world. What about you? Are you walking the path of discipleship? Are you living separated from the world? Are you being like Jesus? It's not easy to live in this world as disciples of Jesus. It's not feasible to live as the people of the world in the kingdom of heaven. As someone said, it is not the end to simply follow the prayer to accept Jesus and preach as people in the kingdom of heaven. But after believing with the heart and confessing with a mouth, we have to take the path of faith on the narrow road that leads through the narrow door. However, please remember, you did not choose Jesus, but Jesus chose you. He who knows your past, present, and future, yet he still chose you to be his disciple. He will never leave you. He will never lose you. Turn back from the world and follow Him. Bear fruit and let your fruit glorify God. Abide in Him and He will abide in you. This concludes this week's episode of the series If Anyone Wishes to Come After Me. I thank you for listening and may God bless you richly this week.
0: the two dogs. It is ironic that while the dog on the right was walking comfortably, the one on the left was striving to pull its owner to the direction it wanted to go. As I was watching this scene, I thought about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 verses 31 through 33. But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats, and he will put the sheep on his right and the goats on the left. When we confess God as our Lord, we are admitting that God is our master and we are his slaves. Slaves bought with a price, not slaves being paid by the owner. However, we still ask God to do this and that, and sometimes it is hard to tell who the master is and who is the slave. If I am the slave, I ought to do according to the master's command. Yet I am the one who makes plans and orders the master to follow my plans. I question if I am truly acknowledging God as my Lord. How about you? Who is the master and who is the slave in your personal relationship with God? who makes the plans, and who gives the orders. My wish is that we can all examine ourselves. And if you are also pulling your master to where you want to go, I encourage you to stop right now because the one who is our master will never be driven by us. God's plans are always good, the best, and the perfect. His plans are not like our own and they cannot be compared. Do not order Him to follow you, but follow His plans. He is the one who gave His Son for you and me. That is why He can always trust in His plans. I hope that we can all live to follow His will this week. This ends our Unity in Christ program for today. I look forward to speaking to all of you again next week. Have a wonderful week, and God bless.
5: where my first love died In the valley where we learned how to climb so high Will you open my heart and reach
1: inside Till the blood on your hands is yours, not mine Yes. If it needs you more Cause there's nothing in our view You haven't made Knowing that you touched That you haven't saved So set us free To love the mystery Until our eyes